When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 366 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here on this Sunday night, March 19th, 2023. There's some unfortunate stuff to talk about tonight. Team USA had a great win. If you're a Team USA fan, that was great. San Diego State's rolling to the Sweet 16. Uh, but Padres news today with Austin Nola getting hit in the face. Nose might be a broken nose. Had to be carted off the field. And then San Diego Union Tribune's Kevin Acey tweets out an article talking about how Juan Soto has a mild oblique strain. I'm relaxing on this topic. I'm not going to sit here and be super worried about this. Now, if Padres fans, they want to sit there and be worried about this oblique strain i i'm not going to stop you because i do realize that there was the calf strain in spring training before the world baseball classic and now we have an oblique strain so let me read to you what kevin ac said in the union tribune so this was just posted about an hour ago a little over an hour ago the day before their day off was not a good one for the Padres. Even before Nola was carted off the field with an apparent broken nose, Juan Soto had to cut short an appearance in a minor league game at the Peoria Sports Complex with what has been initially diagnosed as a mild left oblique strain. Soto was pulled from the game as a precaution and is considered day-to-day according to the team. And an injury to his left side is said to be better for a left-handed hitter than it, if it were on his front side. But any oblique injury this close to opening day is concerning. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned, but I'm not going to sit here and overreact and be terrified that, that this is going to be like a, a multiple-month thing or even a full-month thing. Like the calf thing, maybe we thought it was going to linger, but that seems like that has been fine. And that was 100% going into the World Baseball Classic. That took, what, less than a week to get good again, right? 
And here with this oblique strain, is this going to limit the number of at-bats he has before, before opening day? Maybe a little bit, yeah. But it's Juan Soto. This isn't like Adam Engel or Pedro Severino or Luis Camposano or Austin Nola, someone that maybe we'd be a little more concerned about getting the, 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 the right number of at-bats. It's not Nelson Cruz who didn't hit in the WBC, really. He had one at-bat, and he has told the media that he wants more at-bats in spring training. He needs those at-bats. Like Soto, I think he's good. If you watch him at the plate, he's pretty dang locked in. So I'm fine if he has to skip a few days and then get the oblique good, just like the calf, and then be ready to go again. Um, so that's, that's the info. Soto left the B game with a mild left oblique strain. Now, I'm sure kind of like with the calf, these things can linger. But until Bob Melvin's like, well, we're going to have to shut him down for a couple weeks here, and he's not going to be ready for opening day until that happens or until Juan Soto says, yeah, I'm not feeling too great. I'm not going to sit here and worry too much about it. I, I haven't really checked social media, the reaction, but if anyone is overreacting to this, I'd probably just sit there and say, relax for now. But I could be proven wrong. But I, I'm looking, I know the calf and the oblique, those are two different things, but I'm just sitting here and I guess because I'm just looking back at the most recent issue with Soto was the calf, and that ended up being fine. It just took some time off of it some time not playing in games for a little bit, and then it was fine. And then he went and started, kept smashing balls in the WBC. Like, it felt like every at-bat he was just smashing balls. So, I'm not worried about it. It's not ideal. Like, you, you don't want arguably your best player, the National League MVP favorite going into the season. You don't want him having an oblique strain right now, a mild oblique strain with, a, what, a couple weeks left before the season less than a couple weeks right like a week and a half before the season starts it's not the ideal time it's never an ideal time to have it you know in spring training or during the season or in the postseason but if it had to be in a time frame like this when the Padres are together this is probably the time in spring training just like the Musgrove fractured toe in spring training and have him only miss like maybe one start at the beginning of the year I'd rather have that than have him have this happen in June or July or September or October, obviously. So that's the that's really the news on Soto. There there wasn't a whole lot of information here in this article. It was just that this happened, I guess, in his first at bat. He was pulled from the game as a precaution and considered day to day according to the Padres. And it's on the left side, not on the right which is better for a left-handed hitter than if this was on the left side for someone like Manny, who's a right-handed hitter, right? So again, not ideal, but not something I'm going to sit here and overreact to. We don't have a, a ton of information. As for the Austin Nola stuff, that we, ha we don't have a whole lot of information with that either. But I feel like that... He might not be ready for opening day. If he has a fractured nose, I, I, he could play through that. But do the Padres want 
Austin Nola playing through that at the beginning of the year? Or do they want him just just feel better and then come back and be ready for the rest of the year? I, I know that the catching depth, it's not great. But maybe this could be a little bit of a blessing in disguise. And this could give Camposano consistent playing time and where the Padres have like no choice to do so. Because in the past, right, it's been Nola and Campy has gotten sporadic playing time, but it hasn't been consistent playing time. But here, if Nola has to be out for a few weeks or a couple weeks, and that means that he doesn't have the at-bats necessary to be ready to go for opening day or something like that, then that would force the Padres to have Camposano probably be the everyday catcher or the, the primary catcher, and he'd get more reps that way. And maybe he ends up developing faster and he can end up getting the starting job at some point this year. I, I don't hate Austin Nola. I'm just saying, like, Camposano, he's been one of the top Padres prospects, it feels like, for a while now. I don't even know if he's considered a, pod, a prospect anymore just because he's been in the big leagues now multiple times uh, and he's going to be in the big leagues to start the year at least if he's healthy. Um, but at some point, like, this guy's got to start playing, right? Like, we got to have this guy start getting consistent playing time at the big league level to see what he can give the Padres. Because what's the point of continuing to have Luis Camposano on the team if you're just going to waste him on the bench and he's not going to develop? And I know he has to do it too, but he's. it seems like he has made some steps to doing that. He's more of an introverted guy, at least based on interviews. I think Annie Halbrun talked to him this uh, earlier in spring training. And just personality, he's had to open up more and engage more with the pitching staff, get better at communication a little bit. And it seems like he's done that. So I want to see this guy get some more consistent playing time. And maybe this NOLA fractured nose, we don't know if it's fractured, but Kevin Acey's saying it probably is, it likely is. And Bob Melvin said after the game today, after Nola was carted off, after getting hit in the face, um, saying that, he, I mean, he can't imagine that the nose didn't break. And the status is to be decided, to be determined, excuse me, TBD. Don't know what the status is going to be. Maybe Bomo has an update on that tomorrow morning. We shall see. I'm sure... Someone in the media will ask about that with Nola. They'll obviously ask about Soto. So we'll get some more stuff on that on Monday morning. Uh, but if I had to place my worry, my concern, on one of the players, Nola or Soto, more of a concern, I'd probably place it on Nola more in terms of like time they're going to miss. With Soto, it, it could be a few games. And I don't think that's the end of the world. A few games get it so it feels better, and then he'll be ready for the season. He's not someone that needs a ton of at-bats. With the Sorry, did I just burp? Wow. With the catching position, um, I, don't, I don't know if it's Nolan needing the at-bats, but I think it only helps to, for the catchers to have as many reps as possible with the pitching staff. I know Nola, he's comfortable with a lot of the Padres pitchers already because they were on the team last year, but there are some new guys that he probably wants to work with. He doesn't want to be sitting out due to uh, getting hit in the face, right, and having something fractured. But I, I would expect him to miss some time. Both are going to miss some time, it seems like. I, I would probably think that Nola misses more 
but yeah, uh, someone in the comments here says they were at the game. Feels so bad for Austin. Yeah, I mean, I was watching this live, and yeah, that that, that really sucked to see. It was one of those ooh moments, um, and it took like three or four minutes. He was he was just sitting there, and I guess he was talking to Bowmel and the training staff, and they were waiting for the cart to come out, and he was trying to get they were trying to get the blood from stopping and he so he pretty much had the towel on his face trying to get the blood to stop and he was carted off and that's that was pretty much what Bomel said about it ball caught nola's nose trying to trying to stop the bleeding can't imagine that the nose didn't break status tbd he was talking so that's that's good so yeah those i mean those are the main two headlines coming from sunday soto with the oblique strain, the mild oblique strain, and Nola being hit, probably a fractured nose, and getting carted off. Um, Padres catching depth, what is the Padres catching depth right now? Luis Camposano, he, if Nola had to miss time and he wouldn't be ready for the regular season, we don't know that, but I'm just saying if. Campy would be the starter. He's hitting 211 this spring at 865 OPS, two home runs, homered yesterday in Peoria. I think grounded out in the one at bat that he got today. Brett Sullivan would probably be the El Paso starter. I, I would I would lean towards Pedro Severino being the backup to Campy if Nola wasn't on the roster to start the year, if he was like on the IL. I would lean towards Pedro Severino. Some of you might say, no, Brett Sullivan, because he's been in the organization longer and all that. But you got to remember, Brett Sullivan, he's coming off of playing for Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic. And so he only has nine spring training at-bats, and he doesn't have much time catching those Padres pitchers so far this spring. Bob Melvin was talking about that to the media after the game today. So from what I just kind of the reaction from Bo Mel when he was asked about the, the catching depth, the catching situation. It felt like it's Campy and then it's Pedro Severino before Brett Sullivan as of now. If this was a different time of year, it would probably be Brett Sullivan over Severino. But now, I because Severino's just had more reps with these Padres pitchers than Brett Sullivan has. He's thrown out some runners in spring training. Um I, Severino is hitting 240 this spring, a 656 OPS, so not great. Three runs driven in. Uh, but they, they have a ton of talent in the lineup. I'm not really focused on, oh, how much is this guy producing offensively? Especially when Nola's out. Like You just want someone that can be comfortable with the pitching staff. You want someone that the pitching staff can trust. And so I think someone that has more reps with the pitching staff this spring is who they'd probably trust more than Brett Sullivan, who is away with for the World Baseball Classic. Longer than some other guys because he went to the uh, quarterfinals against Japan. It was against Japan, I think, right? Yeah, he, he threw out a Japan runner. He's, he, he's, he's looked good in the WBC. I'm not saying he hasn't, but that's not him being familiar with Padres pitching, right? That's him just playing well in the WBC, right? But, I mean, I like Brett Sullivan's swing. It's a, it's a quick... Pretty compact swing. Doesn't seem like he's a guy that's prone to a ton of strikeouts. It's a different swing than Luis Camposano. I'll definitely say that. So that's kind of 
the Padres catching depth right now behind Ostinola, Campy, Pedro Severino, and Brett Sullivan. All right, let's look at the chat here. Irie says, broken nose, he'll be back out there next week. Don't worry, guys, unless it comes back with a concussion, then it might be a few weeks. That's, yeah, see, that is a worry, is the concussion part. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, the broken, the broken nose, I think, yeah, he could come back from, he might be ready for the season if he suffers that. I don't think I've ever had a broken nose. I don't think I have. Um, I'd imagine that it would hurt regular human beings and probably affect our ability to like breathe maybe a little bit through our nose. But for, for professional athletes and guys that are catchers, these guys aren't soft, right? Like they, they can fight through some stuff. I agree, Ivory. I think Campy can be decent if he's given the at-bats. I'm more worried about like pitchers trusting Campy behind the plate and him managing in-game stuff than I am with him at the plate. I think he'll develop behind, um, at the plate. Behind the plate is more, I think, should be the focus. And no, I see someone in the chat here about Ethan Salas. Yeah, they're kidding. But no, he's, he's what, 16? Yeah, he's a while away. He might get some spring training appearances, but it is late in spring. That, I felt like that was more just like a one-game thing, just get him in a spring training game, you know, get some publicity, more more publicity around Ethan Salas there. But this close to opening day, it's going to be Sullivan, it's going to be Campy, it's going to be Severino. Those are the guys that are going to be getting probably all of the innings because you need reps. You need those reps. Uh, Irie says, man, Soto's 24. Why is he getting all these muscle strains? LOL. I mean, yeah, he's really strong, and he is an ex he's, a he's an ex explosive player. So, yeah, I guess it's a little concerning, the calf and now the oblique, and maybe it's a hamstring at some point later in the year. But, again, until... There's like further details about this. I'm not going to overreact to it. Yeah. Well, uh, someone asked, will Hassan Kim play spring training now that Korea is eliminated? He's already playing in spring training games. So that's good news there. All right. Moving on to the Padres uh, spring training game today. Padres lost five to two. It was a walk off three run home run by some random dude we never heard of. Uh, but who cares? It's spring training. What we do care about is Julio Tehran. And I will get to his outing and the rest that happened today in this spring training game after this message about Gaglione Bros. Check out Gaglione Bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so Julio Tehran took the mound today for the Padres, and at the beginning of spring training, he was pitching well, I thought. He was hitting his spots, good movement on his pitches. Today, though, wasn't that great. He only gave up one run, three and two-thirds innings of work. But if you were watching the outing, and I have some clips on social media, at Talking Friars on Twitter, you can go look at. 
there was a lot of times where he was not hitting his spots. And so I think the Padres staff is probably going to be looking at that more than what the result was against Cubs hitters. By the way, Hosmer was not playing in this game. Maybe he's afraid to face the Padres. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I was looking more at, like, the the process of how he got to the three and two-thirds innings, one run, two hits allowed, one walk, one home run. Um, a lot of missed spots. And there were some where, like, I, I remember Bellinger was up one at-bat, missed the spot, but Bellinger popped up, right? So just because he gets out of innings doesn't mean that it was a great outing. Uh, now, in the regular season, what's going to matter is the results. But in spring training, we got to look a little bit deeper than that, especially for, like, starters, depth starters that are trying to make the roster. And so as, as every Tehran starts, as every Tehran start goes by, I feel like there's a less and less chance that he's going to be a part of this rotation come opening day. I saw something on, I forget, I don't know if it was social media or it was uh, an article from the Union Tribune or Dennis Lynn, somewhere, that Bob Melvin, if Musgrove's not pitching, they're probably not going to go with the six-man because they want to have additional long guys in the bullpen to bridge that gap, especially with Darvish not knowing with his progression and Martinez not knowing if he's going to be fully built up because he went to pitch with Team USA and Snell, you know, with his slow starts, right? So it seems like the Padres, they want more long, an additional long man in in the bullpen. And I don't know if Tehran really fits that. If they're going to go with long men in the bullpen, let's say they go with a couple, it would probably be Chris Matt and either Groom or Honeywell, I would think. Maybe they go with Honeywell because... He would have to go through waivers if they tried to get him through to AAA, where Groom, I believe they can just send him down. So maybe that's what they'd go with. And then the five-man rotation is Darvish, Snell, Waka, Martinez, and Lugo. Maybe not in that order, but you get what I'm saying. Those, got, those five, if Musgrove's not in the rotation come opening day. And it seems like, like I'm still not going to count out Musgrove to be in the rotation come opening day. I don't think he's going to start on opening day or the first couple games of the season. But Kevin AC, I think, in the Union Tribune continues to say, like, he's probably going to miss a start at the beginning of the year. And it's not a guarantee even that he makes that April 6th start against Atlanta, the seventh game of the season. So the Padres, they're going to need some long men, and long men in that bullpen if they go with five in their rotation. Because if they go with six, that's another question mark, right? On top of some other guys, you would be having another question mark with even if, even if it is Jay Groom and he's been pitching well, that's still a question mark because he's never pitched in the big leagues before. I don't think they want to keep having, I don't know if they want to add length in the rotation and add more question marks to the rotation when Musgrove's out. So I see right now if Musgrove's going to be out, I see it being a five-man rotation to start. Uh, and Tehran, I just don't see making that. He's He's... He started off good, but these last few outings, it's been inconsistent. He, he's gotten knocked around, it feels like, pretty good. Or if he hasn't gotten knocked around, if, if you're not seeing that in the box score, it's been some missed location, a, a lot of missed location. There were some pitches today where Nola was setting, out, setting up like low and away, and it was like a two-seamer or a changeup that just went like 
middle of the plate, like bad misses. Uh, so if Tehran does not make the roster, I believe he can opt out and then he can just go sign with another team if another team is willing to offer him a major league spot. Or he'll just he can just accept, I guess, a option, a, an assignment to El Paso and then try to pitch well there. And then if injuries happen, the Padres can bring him up and he can make it that way. So I wasn't very encouraged by what I saw from Tehran, but he's still in the mix. I'm not saying he's not in the mix to be on the roster. I would just say he's not going to be on the roster. I'm leaning towards that. There's still a chance, but I think it's slim now. It, it keeps getting slimmer and slimmer. Uh, Sal here says, Nabil and Jay Groom should be the last two relievers with Hader, Suarez, Garcia, Pomerantz, Hill, and Wilson. Yeah, I agree. Perfect. You nailed it. Um, yeah, if Musgrove's on the I.L. to start the year, let's say, I don't know if they can backdate it to, like, March 27th so he could start April 6th or March 26th, whatever date it would have to be to get to 10 days. And then once those 10 days are done, that would line him up to start that first game in Atlanta. Uh, I don't know if they can do that. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, I you got to have 13 pitchers. You can only have 13. You don't have to have 13, but it's a 13-pitcher max. So if, if the Padres go with the five, Darvis, Snell, Waka, Martinez, Lugo, then that's probably the eight relievers you're looking at. Morahone's not going to make it. Nabil will. That's what it seems like. That's what Bob Melvin has indicated. We know Hader, Suarez, Garcia will. We know Hill will. We know Wilson will. And we know Pomerantz will if he's healthy, if he's ready to go. And I lean towards him being ready to go. That's what everything's pointing towards him being ready to go. So, yeah, I agree with that. And Groom's pitching the best out of those other depth options. So I, I've, not, I've not seen Jose Lopez pitch in a game in a while. So I think they'll probably just offer Jose Lopez. He's the Rule 5 draft guy, if anyone didn't know that from the Rays. They will probably just offer him back to Tampa. For like, I think it's fifty thousand dollars. It's half of what they gave Tampa to get him in the Rule Five draft. He's just made some mental errors. He hasn't looked great. And when you're contending, you're trying to go win the division. You can't be wasting games at the beginning of the year. So you got to just go with the best guys. And Jay Groom, Nabil Chrismat, they're pitching better than Jose Lopez this spring, or at least I've seen them pitch better so far this spring than Jose Lopez. Yeah, Quan asked, Profar signed with the Rockies. Yes, he did. You know what? Let's hit on that right now. Uh, I made a video on my MLB baseball YouTube channel, Baseball Struck. I encourage you to go subscribe to that. I just posted my reaction to Team USA's win tonight. Uh, a lot of baseball content, daily baseball content during the season, in the off season, on that channel. Just started that up a few months ago. So I appreciate if you could go support that as well. Uh, but yeah, so I made a video on the Profar signing with the Rockies and it was the, the main question was, is Profar going to regret not signing back with the Padres, not taking that player option with the Padres? And I know that we all would have probably, maybe not all of us, but most of us, if we were in Profar's position at the beginning of the offseason, we would have probably taken the route that he went and opted out thought he would have gotten a multi-year deal in free agency, coming off the year that he came off of, being the leadoff hitter most games for the Padres in the postseason. 
being able to play infield, being able to start in the outfield, good at bats. I thought he was going to get a multi-year deal. I was thinking more like three years, 30 million, not five years, 75, which I think Jim Bowden floated out there at the beginning of the offseason. There was no way a team was going to give him that. I think once he saw Benintendi get that from the White Sox, him, Boris, who's his agent, probably dug their heels in and said, this is what we want here. Like, Benintendi got this, give us this. And that was never going to happen. So it's now, looking at it now, he's probably going to regret. He probably regrets not taking that player option and just going back to the Padres. Because look at it. He's getting, possibly, if he gets to like 400 plate appearances, he's getting a little over 800, or not 800, a little over $8 million, less than $9 million from the Rockies. A team that's not trying to win, right? He would have gotten seven and a half from the Padres, a team that's trying to win. I know that there's the argument of, well, he wouldn't play every day with the Padres. He would at the beginning of the season. And does he want to win? Or would he rather go get a little bit more money to be with the Colorado Rockies? Right? I don't think the Padres would have signed him for $7.5 million right now because they already filled out their outfield with Dahl and Angle, right? They already made moves. But at the beginning of the offseason, they would have took him in, definitely. I think they would have given him a multi-year deal. If, they, if he was willing to take like two years, $16 million, $8 million a year, a little bit of a pay raise, or maybe two for 20 maybe the Padres would be willing, would have been willing to do that. But they weren't going to bring them back now. They are, just like a bunch of other teams, they weren't going to bring them back because they already filled out the roster. Like he, they really overplayed this. Like they thought they were asking for way too much. That's what it feels like. If they were asking for a fair price, he would have been signed months ago, right? I would think. Profar is a guy that contenders should want on their team. He's a competitor, really wants to win. He'll hit anywhere in the lineup, can play a lot of different positions. That's a valuable guy. And so I, I would think the Rockies will trade him before the deadline, but he doesn't even control, like he wouldn't control where he goes to. So does he want to go to a, a contender he has no, uh, no like control over at, before the deadline? Or would he have rather been with the Padres and been teammates with Hassan Kim, who he loves? and teammates with Fernando Tatis Jr., getting to be actual teammates with him instead of just watching him sit on the couch all year because he was hurt and suspended, right? He would have actually got to play with Bogarts and Soto, Manny, Tatis again. That has to be more appealing than the Rockies. So looking back on this, I'm sure he regrets it, but I think we kind of have to look at this at what was his view going into this offseason. And I would have probably made the same decision. I would have probably opted out to go for the multi-year deal. But it feels like he was probably asking for too many years at the beginning of the offseason. Every club said no. He was probably asking for too much money. Every club said no. If he would have started out at a reasonable amount of years, a reasonable amount of money, he would have probably been signed by a contender. I think he would have. But if he was asking for like $15 million a year, no team would have done that. No team was going to do that, ever. Because Benintendi has a, has a better track record of performing up to that level. I still think Benintendi probably got a little overpaid, 
but he still has a better track record than Dirks and Profar does. I think. Jim asks, do you think Hosmer avoids Luke Voigt when the Cubs play the Brewers? I think he would. Probably. Uh, I'm sure Hosmer doesn't think that Voigt is a, a big fan of his. Quan asks, any chance Tim Lopes beats out Brandon Dixon? Yes. I think there is a chance. I think there's a better chance that Rugnet Odor beats out Brandon Dixon, though. I think Tim Lopes, there's a small chance. I think Odor would have to either get hurt or just suck the rest of spring, and Dixon would have to suck, and Lopes continue to play well, and then maybe Lopes makes the roster. But Lopes, I think he had another hit today. He keeps raking. He is playing really, really well this spring. Uh, he's doing all he can to make the roster, but there's a left-handed veteran guy with a lot of major league games under his belt that's ahead of him. There's Brandon Dixon, who was on the team a little bit at the end of last year, a guy that can play the outfield and the infield. Um, he has those guys ahead of him. That's the unfortunate part. But I'm rooting for Tim Lopes. But, I mean, we can move to Odor. He had a great day today, two for three against the Cubs, made a couple great defensive plays. He, had a, he has a 952 OPS this spring. Brandon Dixon, 524 OPS. So if you compare those two, that's not close. And Dixon probably has a little bit more playing time than Odor because Odor signed in the middle of spring. But Odor's playing well. He, he's, he's playing pretty well. And he's a lefty bat off the bench. So I keep most of this spring and in the offseason, I probably said that Brandon Dixon's probably going to make the roster. But if Odor keeps playing well, my last roster projection will probably have Odor making the roster over Brandon Dixon. Because I think the Padres, they're going to see what Odor's doing and be like, hey, we're trying to win games here. Who's going to give us the better at bat? In a late game situation or if someone gets hurt, who's going to give us the better at bat? Is it going to be Brandon Dixon or is it going to be Rugnet Odor? And at the end of spring, it might be Rugnet Odor. They might come to that conclusion. So keep 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 your eye on Rugnet Odor. He he has a he has a better chance than Lopes. To answer your question, Quan, he has a better chance than Lopes over Dixon to make the roster, I think. Austin says Boris screwed Profar, in my opinion. I don't know if Boris screwed Profar or Profar, maybe he I mean, look, the agent doesn't the agent, he is going to probably try to steer players in the right direction, but Boris works for Profar. Profar doesn't work for Boris. I think people take, you know, they, they see Boris and getting all these huge deals. The player, if they want to go to a certain team that, and that team's interested, they're going to go to that team. We saw that with Trey Turner. He took a lot less money to go to the Phillies than what the Padres offered, right? Like, that's just... The player does not work for the agent. The agent works for the player. So I think both. I don't know if it was Boris screwing Profar or if it was Profar just overestimating his market. Maybe he told Boris, hey, I want five years. I think I'm worth five years. I think I'm worth $10 million a year, five years, or $15 million a year. And so Boris was like, well, all righty then. That's more money for me. 
if we can get this contract and maybe he tried that and they didn't get that. It wasn't going to happen. He was not going to get a long-term deal. I think that's pretty clear. So maybe it was a little bit of both, Austin. Maybe Profar screwed himself and Boris also screwed Profar for not maybe saying earlier in the offseason, hey, dude, you're not going to get five years. You're not going to get four. You're not going to get three, maybe, if you keep asking for this high price. You got to lower your asking price. You got to be realistic here. Look at look at these teams that are signing guys for two-year deals. They're not signing them for four or five years. That's there's only a couple guys that did that. Like you got to be more realistic. And it seemed like he didn't really lower his asking price too much. Maybe we'll find out that he did, but right now it doesn't seem like that. Uh, Flygon97, Mexico versus Japan. Who you got? Um, I got Japan. I mean, they're were they the best team on the left side of the bracket. I think, look, going into the tournament, a lot of focus was on Team USA. A lot of focus was on Team DR, right? They were the favorites going in. They didn't even make it out of pool play, right? And the Japan games were on at 3 in the morning. I know, I'm insane, right? I'm a diehard fan, so I was up at 3 a.m. watching those games. So I probably have a different viewpoint than other people that just looked at the box score. Oh, Japan won again. Okay, whatever. I was actually watching those games, and they have a deep lineup. Not a lot of names that casual fans will know. There's, there's Otani and Lars Newt Bar, right? But they have a lot of solid names uh, in Japan, like players that are really good in Japan. And there's power in that lineup. And they're going to give you tough at-bats. It, it's not a top-heavy lineup, and then it sucks. Like, they're deep, and they have a lot of good pitching. Darvish was coming out of the bullpen for Otani. And there was another pitcher that pitched in between those two the other day in their last game. Sasaki's going tomorrow. He is, like, the best young pitcher in Japan. So, And they have someone else as well. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Maybe Yamamoto? Uh, but they're stacked. So, yeah, definitely Japan. And if it's Japan, USA... Oh, I cannot wait for that. If it's Otani on the mound on Tuesday for that, sign me up. Trout against Otani or Trout bets Turner or Trout bets Goldschmidt against Otani, sign me up for that. All right. We'll get back to the chat. There's some other stuff I wanted to hit on too, but first... I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pick-up games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways 
including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. Yeah, so tonight I had Trey Turner. I picked the higher for one and a half total bases and totally got that correct. Two home runs. Uh, I was riding off of yesterday because of that grand slam. I was like, yeah, I know he's hitting ninth. Talk about best nine hitter on the planet. Jeez. Uh, But I know he's hitting ninth, but he's going to get that. So I got that correct. Um, But yeah, so click that link in the description. They will double, they will match your deposit up to $100. So again, if you deposit 20 bucks, they'll give you 20 bucks. So you'll have 40 to be able to use. So I love it. A lot of different sports that you can use on there. They have even like women's college basketball. Uh, So definitely utilize that whenever you'd like. Um, Kwan says Senga. No, no, no. He's not on the the Japanese team. He decided to stick with the Mets because it's his first year with the uh, with the Mets. It's his first year in the big league, so he wanted to be acclimated to that. Oh, wow. My mom said Stanford lost. Women's basketball? Holy cow. Wow, that's a huge upset. Okay, maybe you guys don't care about that, but that, wow, that is huge. Yeah, Irie says here, I'm good, but I do mess with Gaglione bros. Those garlic cheese fries are fire. Yes, they are. Very good. All right, getting back to some Padre stuff. Nick Martinez, he pitched on a backfield today. Four innings, three hits, struck out five guys on 64 pitches. Uh, look, I'm, we, didn't watch this, we didn't watch the outing, so I can't comment on how he looked, obviously. In the World Baseball Classic, I thought I thought he looked pretty good. He made that one mistake to Joey Manessis, but he got screwed with some bad defense in that first game, or the only game that he pitched in the World Baseball Classic. So that, that sucked that he got screwed with some bad defense because I thought he pitched pretty well. He got ground balls, and Arenado made an error. Wasn't counted as an error. Made an error. McNeil had a bad throw. Anderson dropped the ball. McNeil dropped a pop-up. It just couldn't have gone worse defensively. But as long as he's getting up to the pitch count, getting ramped up like he needs to, I'm, I'm going to be happy. Um, he did So when he was speaking to the media today, he was pretty much talking about how Team USA, they weren't guaranteeing him another outing, another start in the World Baseball Classic. So instead of just waiting around to maybe see if Team USA was going to give him that appearance, give him those pitches, he had to just go back and pitch with the Padres, get those guaranteed pitches in. And I love that, obviously, as a Padres fan, because I think the offense can make up for it with Team USA, number one. And number two, uh, maybe I should flip that, but just second point to that is I care about what the Padres do more. 
right? Nick Martinez, he's a Padre. And there's already a little bit of question marks here with this rotation. We need Nick Martinez at the beginning of the season to be ready to go. And I really want him to be ready to go. And I, yeah, I respect, I respect that. I agree, Quan. I respect Martinez for departing, saying, you know what? I got to just go get ready for my season with the Padres. And yeah, I think a lot of Padres fans are clapping for Nick Martinez after that decision. Um, elsewhere, Josh Hader um, in the Padres-Cubs game, one inning, no runs, no hits, no walks. A good play by our door. Hader got over to first base, made the play, finished the play. Chris Matt pitched two innings. I believe that was his first outing since the WBC. Two innings, one run, three hits, one strikeout, and one walk. Uh, again, Odor, two for three. Made two good defensive plays. Nola with the hit by pitch. We don't know if the nose is fractured. It's probably fractured. He left on a cart. We'll see how long he has to miss. Is it going to be a week? Is he going to be ready for the season? Hopefully there's a better update on that come Monday morning. Same thing with Juan Soto with the oblique. Uh, again, I'm not going to overreact to that. What I would tell Padres fans right now is just relax. It's not ideal that he has an oblique strain, a mild oblique strain, but it's on his left side, not on his right, which is better as a left-handed hitter. Uh, and the season has not started. And with the calf thing, I know it's two different parts of the body, but he was able to recover with that, and he was 100% with like in a week. So he's not someone that needs a bunch of at-bats doesn't seem like like it seems like he's already ready to go so i'm not worried about soto being like needing reps to be ready to go for the season it's just about his health like is he going to be 100 percent for opening day that's what obviously what we care about and so i i'd probably lean towards that he will be ready to go uh but that's just me kind of guessing right now just like anyone else who would try to say if he was ready to go if he'd be ready to go because we don't really have a full update yet on Soto and how many days he's going to miss or if this thing's going to linger or how does Juan Soto feel right now, right? We don't know that. Pretty much only he knows that. Like, really, like, who really knows? The training staff can say, oh, it doesn't look that great or it looks pretty good, but maybe Soto feels different, right? So that's pretty much the Padres stuff from today. Going around other San Diego sports, uh, the San Diego Loyal, they got a win today, 3-0. Uh, they are 2-0 so far this season. San Diego Seals, they're 9-2. At least that's what I was, I looked that up earlier this afternoon. First in the West, uh, San Diego Soccers are 17-2. Man, seems like they're winning a bunch. Whenever I look, they're always winning games. San Diego State women's basketball, really good season from them. I mean, really good season from them. They ended up going, what was their record? 23 and 11. And in conference, they went 12 and 6. So that was the most wins that San Diego State women's basketball has had in the last 10 years. In the women's NIT, uh, they lost to UC Irvine 55 45. They had like their worst shooting day of the season. So that's why they lost. Uh, but it's a good season for them. Um, Avinger and Sofia Ramos. I mean, they had a couple really good players on that team. So hopefully they continue to build on that, obviously. 
And then San Diego State, their men's team, obviously, I've given my reaction to the, uh, well, the first win, the round of 64 over Charleston, the round of 32 that happened this weekend over Furman. Complete dominance. I mean, yeah, they were losing at one point, but it wasn't for long. They shut down Furman for like seven minutes, and then they went on a big run of their own, uh, blocking a bunch of shots, a rope, and Micah Parrish was huge in that game, obviously. So now we know their opponent. They're going to face off against Alabama next Friday, this coming Friday, I guess. Uh, and Bama's going to be tough, obviously. I don't think they've ever played Alabama in the school's history. Could be wrong on that, but I, th I don't think they ever have. Alabama 31-5 and five so far this year. First in the SEC, and they were, they're a one seed. They're a one seed in the tournament, and it speaks to how good this team is. I know they were playing a 16 seed in the first game, obviously, but Brandon Miller is their, their best player, and he didn't score any points in that game. Was extremely quiet in that game, but they still blew out their opponent. So they beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi. That was the 16 seed. Long school name there. Uh, and then they beat Maryland this weekend in the round of 32 to advance to the Sweet 16. So that's going to be in Louisville, San Diego State, Alabama. Alabama, I was looking on ESPN. They, they have some depth too, just like San Diego State does. And if you look at best player compared to best player, Brandon Miller, 19.1 points per game this year. Matt Bradley, 13. 8.2 rebounds for Miller, averaging that. 3.9 for Bradley. Two assists for Miller. 2.1 for Bradley. So their best player is better than our best player. I, look, San Diego State, if they play defense the way that they played against Furman, and I know Alabama is a better team. They probably have more length. I don't know really anything about Alabama, but if I assume that they have better players. Uh more well-rounded players, better defensive players, better offensive players, just all around. So it's going to be tougher, but that defense that they played against Furman can keep them in a game against any team in the country. And the way that Micah Parrish was shooting in the first half, and if they can have someone like that in the second half, or just be well-rounded, have, have great shooting performances from multiple guys, have guys in double digits all around like they did in this Furman game, if they can have that, then they can beat Alabama. Like I said the other day, my initial, I guess, prediction is that they don't beat Alabama. That it, It's close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But I just think Alabama has more talent than San Diego State does, just a little bit more. So I think Bama will ultimately edge them out. But if they can shut down, if they can find a way to minimize Brandon Miller, and continue to play great defense and keep that gas on the pedal like they did in that Furman game, they can beat Alabama. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I preferred to, to face Maryland because Alabama's the better team. But look, if you're going to want to get far in the tournament, you want to get to the Elite Eight for the first time in school history, you got to go through the big dog, right? You got to go through the one seed. So looking forward to that on Friday, San Diego State and Alabama. Um, it should be a good matchup. I think Alabama's a good defensive team. Again, I don't know a whole lot about them, but I was just looking at some quotes from their head coach and all that. It seems like pretty two pretty good defensive teams. 
I think probably Alabama's a little bit better offensively. Um, and then the Wave wanted to hit on them. So they start their season on Saturday against the Chicago Red Stars at Snapdragon, 7 p.m. Already over 20,000 tickets sold for that game. I don't know if that game's on CBS Sports. It, it might be. Probably they probably. I mean, it should be. If it's not, it's on Paramount Plus. Uh, but the San Diego Wave, they've. I think they've gotten a little bit better. They improved. Brought in Colaprico, uh, Brisky to bring, to be the backup goalie to Kalen Sheridan. Obviously, still have Morgan. Still have Jaden Shaw, who's now 18. She was 17 last year. Still have Jakobsen. Um, and then midfield with Korniak and on defense, Dahl Kampler hopefully will be back at some point this year, having Naomi Gurma still, uh, Westfall and Pogarts, like they, they are they're a good team. Uh brought in Rachel Hill, uh Sierra Engay, like they've got they've got a lot of talent. And last year, that was the best year, obviously, from any NWSL team ever in NWSL history, like expansion teams in their first year. Uh, made it to the playoffs, hosted a playoff game, beat Mallory Pugh then, now Mallory Swanson, and the Red Stars in that playoff game at home in overtime. And then they almost beat Portland. Barely lost. Crystal Dunn, like, I think it was, if I remember correctly, that goal she scored was like two minutes before it was going to be heading to, I think, overtime. Like, it was, they were close, super close. Really close game. Barely lost. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure that loss stung for the Wave. And uh, so Casey Stoney and they're, they're going to be, the rest of the team, they're going to be ready to go. And I, I would not be surprised if this team wins the Shield. Maybe they won't because of the seven games that Gurma, Korniak, Morgan are probably going to miss. Sheridan, Jakobsen, probably forgetting someone else too, that are probably going to be in the World Cup, getting ready for the World Cup. So they're going to miss a lot of games. And maybe there's some other teams that will probably not have as many players going and representing different countries. And so they will have most of that team still there playing in these games during the year. And they'll be able to win those games. That's why it's important for the Wave to get off to a hot start. Um, but they look, they, they improved their depth. That's what they needed to do, especially in the midfield. So maybe they will be able to uh, sustain they're winning during that World Cup stretch there uh, where Morgan and most of the best players on the team will be away. Uh, but the good news is they still have some talented forwards like Jaden Shaw, who Anamira Ali, forgot to talk about her, Kelsey Turnbow, that will be able to, they'll be on the team still when those players are away. So I would not be surprised if they win the NWSL Shield, which goes to the best regular season team. I definitely would not be surprised if they get a bye in the first round. I expect them to host a playoff game, at least one, hopefully multiple. Um, look, I know they set the bar high in that first year, but continuing to build on that, right? That, that's what you should want to see from this Wave team. All right, so I just wanted to hit on most San Diego sports there. Um, let's get back to the chat here. Just end it with some any questions, any comments anyone has here. Travis says, Aztecs hard to game plan against. Everyone is equal. Yeah, pretty much. They have a lot of depth, obviously. Don't have a guy that you can focus on. I think we win by eight. I like the optimism. 
I think San Diego State can win, but a lot's going to have to go right. Uh, Mr. Robot asked, what did you think about Trey Turner, Trout, Alonzo, defense pitching? What do you mean? Like, what did I just think about those players, Team USA? Uh, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't like a whole lot about the Team USA, just team as a whole in pool play. They, they weren't very impressive to me, but they've been impressive since they got to my, since they got to Miami. Uh, I mean, excluding Daniel Bard just imploding on the mound. Uh, but, yeah, they've been pretty impressive. Adam Wainwright got out of that first inning, only allowing one run tonight somehow. I mean, that was huge. And you knew the offense was going to go score a bunch of runs off of Cuba. But, yeah, Trout, big game. Like This is the happiest I've seen Mike Trout play in his career. This is the happiest I've seen him be in his career. So, yeah. I want the Angels to be a contender again so we can see this guy fired up and playing meaningful baseball again. Uh, Alonzo finally getting going with the bat, couple RBIs. Uh, the pitching, I like the bullpen. The starting staff, that's a question mark for the final. I think Merrill Kelly's going to start that game. But if he doesn't do well, they can just go right to the bullpen because all hands are on deck. It's the championship game. The bullpen's healthy. They're rested. They're going to be rested. Devin Williams, Ryan Presley, all of them. All of the, all of the big guys. Loop might not pitch, but Michaelis, obviously. But everyone else should be good to go. So I like their chances. If Japan is facing Team USA in the final, I would say that Team Japan might have the edge a little bit if Otani's on the mound and Darvish coming in behind. I think they probably should have the edge a little bit. But those are both very good teams. They're neck and neck. Bomani says, who's ready for the Padres season? Say me. Yes. You're not alone. Everyone's ready. It's the most anticipated Padres season ever. I mean, I, at least in my lifetime. Uh, Chad says, came in late. What's the latest with Soto and Nola? Yeah, no problem. So, Soto, the latest there, he has a mild oblique strain. Left oblique. I guess he suffered that in his first at-bat in the spring training minor league game in Peoria today, and so the Padres were just taking precaution, taking him out, and he's day-to-day. So we'll get probably a better update on that tomorrow. Same thing with Nola. Nola, he had to exit today's game against the Cubs, taken off on a cart. He was hit in the face, probably in the nose. Bob Melvin, would be, he said that he's essentially said, I'm paraphrasing, that he'd be surprised if the nose wasn't broken. So we'll see how long Nola has to miss. But those are the two updates on Soto and Nola. If I had to make a bet, I would, I would guess that Nola misses more time than Soto. Uh, but I guess it just depends on how long this oblique thing will linger for Soto, just like the calf. The calf didn't really linger with Soto. They just had to keep recovering right before the WBC. So we'll see if this ends up lingering. All right. That's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 366. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in here. Have a great week. I'll talk to you guys later. See you.